Welcome to the main event. Let's get ready to rumble! Introducing first, fighting out of the neutral corner, the undisputed, undefeated, baddest boxing podcast on the planet! And now, your host, Eric Rambo! Alright guys, welcome back to the latest installment of the Baddest Boxing Podcast on the Planet, aka The King, a boxing podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Eric Grimbo, and uh, I just want to say thanks again for for joining me in this episode, and uh, hopefully you're enjoying the product so far. Look forward to continuing improving. So, in this episode, I just want to go ahead and talk a little bit about um, a couple up, upcoming fights, but first and foremost, um, if you guys are paying attention to... You know the uh, what it's been about three weeks now with Tyson uh, Tyson uh, Fury and uh, the Deontay Wilder uh, aftermath, if you will. Uh, apparently, the the WBC has ordered an immediate rematch between these two fighters uh, to happen sometime in the spring. So, if you guys are looking forward to that, if you've seen this fight or seen their first fight, um, you know you should be looking forward to uh, to a rematch. It'd be very interesting to see what these two fighters do, relatively young fighters, um, you know, now that they've faced probably the stiffest competition in their careers, how they adjust their styles, how their team adjusts their styles, and uh, how they get in a ring uh, version 2.0. We'll see. It should be pretty good. Um, as it stands right now, it's looking like it may be in the spring of 2019. Um I'm pretty stoked for it. I, I don't know about you guys. I mean, that was uh, pretty phenomenal. Uh, their first fight. It would be, it'd be good to see if they can continue on. It'd be good to see who adjusts. As I said, you know, uh, what team adjusts, you know, better. Uh, kind of like how we saw, you know, Canelo adjust to Triple G the second fight, uh, which, in my opinion, I think that gave him the edge. But we'll see. I think adjustments because they both know they can handle each other. Uh, obviously, we saw Fury take the the power. We saw. Wilder deal with the the elusiveness. Uh, now it's just going to be those fine tuned adjustments. I, I, I think I think even more so. I think Fury's um, continued dedication to training should pay dividends for him in a second fight as well. Um, obviously, he showed good conditioning for that first fight, surprisingly good conditioning. So we'll see when he has another you know what six six months to to get even you know in even better shape to fine tune his skills that much more and maybe uh <laughs> maybe maybe defend those uh those short left hooks coming in uh, a little bit better than what he uh what he did in the first fight. And then for Wilder, maybe he'll figure a way to um you know crack the the odd code that is Tyson Fury as far as his elusiveness in the ring and uh try to figure out why when he's standing right in front of the man he can't hit him. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh should be exciting. Uh, the only thing that could derail this, I would assume, is if you know Wilder being the champion, if he decides to say, "I want to forego this and and take on a mandatory," um, well, I mean that's kind of obvious now. If the WBC is ordering an immediate rematch, I mean that's his strap. So obviously he'll he'll have to take on uh, Fury, or I assume relinquish that title. But I don't think he's going to do that. Most likely he'll take on Fury now. In the event that Joshua comes out of the woodwork and these two sign a deal for the spring, that may be the other reason why 
or the only reason why we don't see a Fury Wilder 2 fight happen in March, April timeframe next year. But either way, it's good to see these fights happening. Um, it's good to see the, uh, you know, sanctioning bodies making these fights happen. Um, you know, it could be potentially cause they see some, some revenue being generated by these two fighters getting in the ring. Uh, it's always exciting, especially as you guys know, especially in the heavyweight division, you put two of these big guys together and we obviously seen power. We seen skills, we seen ring generalship, uh, in that, in that fight. It's all stuff that keeps us coming back to the sport of boxing, especially if you, you, love the heavyweight division or you've been craving for that out of the heavyweight division for some time, which we all have. I mean, it's safe to admit, you know, the, uh, the heavyweight division has been pretty, pretty scarce as far as excitement goes. Um, and again, that's, you know, not a discredit to Klitschko, um, you know, but it is what it is. Uh, his style as he got older in his career, uh, tended to become very bland. Uh, obviously he, he also, you know, it was also due to the competition he was fighting as well, too. There wasn't really that much, you know, fire in the heavyweight division with the exceptional, you know, the exceptions of Lehman Brewster and Corey Sanders and, you know, the Sam Peters of the world back in the day. Ariola when he was in shape, uh, you know, a little bit of excitement. Chris Bird for a little bit, um, but obviously he, he couldn't do anything against the bigger men of the division. Uh, Lennox, you know, tail end of Lennox Lewis's career. Anyway, um so, yeah, it's good to see this type of action in the heavyweight division. And as I, I've been saying and as I've always said, um, you know, you have to look at the heavyweight division for what it is. It's, and, you know, again, everybody uses like the Klitschko standard for the boringness, if you will, for the heavyweight division of the, you know, the 2000s. Um, you know, I definitely don't want to knock him too bad during his reign. I mean, he was amazing for what he did, for what he what he accomplished, he was amazing. Um, a lot of people also forget when he was younger, he was he was a monster. Um, Vladimir, that is. Uh, Vitaly, I don't think, was high, as highly regarded um, in the beginning. I think his, um, I think his loss to Chris Bird, I think when he quit, was kind of like a, uh, you know, he's a quitter. He doesn't have that much heart. And his style was very awkward, I think, as you guys can remember. Um, where Vladimir was more of the aggressive, athletic, I'm going to knock people out as soon as I, I can lay hands on them uh, type style. Um, he fought like that well into you know his reign, I would say, until he ran into Corey Sanders, and then he he you know he picked up Emmanuel Stewart as a trainer, and then it became more of a a Paul with the jab and hug. Um, you know, still still possessing the power when opponents opened up for it, um, but he was very uh, very cautious at that point. But give him credit, um, with the exception of Corey Sanders, you know he did come back and avenge losses. Uh, Corey Sanders and of course Anthony Joshua, um, and he he was dominant. Why do I say that? Okay, so yeah, it became you, you kind of knew with Klitschko um, that the heavyweight division you know, had its, its leader, if you will, you knew that nobody really, once Klitschko finally figured out how to get rid of, you know, the, the, I guess the, the challenges that faced him, the, the, anyone that posed a serious challenge to him, he was able to move forward and just kind of coast and ride, you know, ride into the sunset, if you will, until obviously until he met Fury and, uh, 
Obviously, he never avenged the loss with Fury, by the way. just want to go back and correct myself on that. But, you know, obviously he, he knew he, you know, we knew he was going to kind of dominate the heavyweight division because there was nobody else out there. But now that being said, you look at the heavyweight division now and there is some, there is some excitement out there, guys. I mean, it's, it's, as I've been saying, you know, the heavyweight division is five, six deep right now. I mean, you got guys that are, uh, you know, definitely, um, you know, banging it out up there that can, that can bring some excitement and And it's great to see two, you know, the lineal heavyweight champion and, the, and one of the heavyweight champions, uh, scrap out like this. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome that we're seeing this. We know Joshua can scrap. Um, the guys right under the tier below them, we know them, you know, Parker, Chisora. We're going to see uh, uh, White and Chisora fight here in the next, uh, yeah, next week. Um, so that's exciting. You know, you, you still got Pulev. You got um, Kaneki. You got even Dominic Brazil, who I, I gave some flack to a little bit, has looked a lot better recently i still don't think he should be a number one contender but at the same note though he has looked a little bit better from his loss from joshua so and then uh you know dillian you know as i mentioned dillian white you got baby uh jarell baby miller um who by the way i think if the fight hasn't been I, i think if if white can get past um yeah, I think if White can get past Chisora, which I think he should, I think it should be a scrappy fight. Um, I think it should be high, uh, high energy. Um, you know, two two high, highly strong men uh, with with emotions in a ring should lead for a pretty exciting fight. But the fight I want to see made because I think I think Miller is about ready, and I think it's about ready for the American public. And I say American public because he is he is American, so we want to see what he's made of. Or just let's say the boxing public in general for for him to be in the world uh, view in the heavyweight division, I I think I think a Dillian White uh, Miller fight should be on the horizon. I, I think it's time for Miller to really show if he's a dominant force in the heavyweight division or can be a dominant force in the heavyweight division. Um, I think it's good recognition for both of them, um, for White as well. If White can beat Miller, um, he takes on a you know he just beat a proverbial contender. Um, a high rank contender in the heavyweight division. But I think those two getting together, I, for some reason, I think stylistically that would be a great fight. And I think it would be a test for probably more so a test for um, Miller because I think White has fought the better competition. Actually, you know, that is a fact that he has fought the better competition. Um, but if, if Miller can do it, that's obviously going to skyrocket him into the. Um, you know, into the stratosphere, into the, the conversation for potential heavyweights in the future. Um, then, of course, you can't forget about Joseph Parker, who is, who's solid. He, he's a solid heavyweight, um, you know, technically sound, looks great in the ring, um, you know, good for the sport, uh, you know, all around. So, Kaneki, you, you got these other guys out there that are, are, that you know, are the real deal, I think. Um, at least the real deal for this generation of heavyweights. Uh, so it's going to breed some exciting, you know, some exciting matchups. And I think that's the biggest thing to remember is that none of these guys really, with the exception of Joshua, and I, I'm giving him the the edge, as you guys know, I've talked about it before. I give him the edge in heavyweight division because I think he's probably the most dominant one. But even him, there's really, there's really nothing out there that's saying a... Kaneki, for example, I, I'm just using this hypothetically. 
that Konecki can't come up there and, and beat him. That Parker, if he fought him again, couldn't beat him. That White couldn't beat him. Um, any one of these guys, I think, could be beaten by their their champion peers or that one level right below them. So that's what breeds a lot of excitement to the heavyweight division right now. And, and you know, Wilder Fury is definitely... You know, definitely uh, part of that as well. So, again, long story short, good to see those guys uh, getting in the ring, hopefully. Um, I'm always, there's always some trepidation before you see, you know, the contract signed, the date out there, and the, you know, the, the news networks or the TV networks or the online networks uh, signing this fight to a deal. Um, you know, there's always trepidation until you see that stuff signed and that it's actually going to be a go. So for right now, you know, fingers crossed that this fight does happen in the spring and, uh, you know, we'll see these two big guys get at it again. All right, guys. So the next fight I want to talk about is this fight that happened this past weekend, which was, uh, Vasily Lomachenko versus, uh, Jose Pedraza. Um, if you had had a chance to see this fight, definitely get out there and, you know, either pull it up on ESPN, ESPN plus or ESPN, the app might actually show it, or I'm sure you could find it on YouTube. Um, definitely interesting fight. Now, as you guys know, I'm a big fan of Lomachenko. I think the, his, his ability to move around the ring, his analytical ability in the ring is phenomenal. I mean, it's something that, you know, we haven't seen in recent times. I, I believe, I believe he deserves to be the number one pound for pound, uh, you know, along with Canelo too. Um, but Lomachenko just brings a unique, um, a unique style to the ring. That's very appealing for people to see. It's, it's almost, it's almost amazing in some aspects, watching him do his work in the ring and, and watching him, you know, show that he's a master of his craft in the ring. And it's, it's, it definitely brings, um, you know, some sense of, of awe, if you will, it's probably the best word I'm looking for. Um, that's how, that's what I see when I, when I watch Lomachenko fight, I was curious to see how he would look in this fight. Now I, I'm probably gonna get some flack for saying this, but I, I am not going to lie to you guys and say that I didn't believe I personally, I believe Lomachenko should have, you know, basically wiped the, you know, ran through uh, Pedraza. And that's not a knock against Pedraza. The reason why I say that is, look, Pedraza got beat by, you know, got beat pretty bad by Gervonta Davis. I expected a more technical beatdown um, from Lomachenko. In my opinion, that didn't really happen. Now, I'll say this, take away... You know, when you guys are watching a fight, you know, Stephen A. Smith, Andre Ward, you know, where they're, you know, even Teddy Atlas post-fight, where they're, you know, talking about how phenomenal Lomachenko looked. Yeah, he, he looked phenomenal in the 11th round. I mean, he looked he looked great. Um, he looked like the Lomachenko that we, we know. But up until that 11th round, um, you know, there was a serious chess, mask, chess match going on. Um, and I don't think... What, what amazes me... I'm, give you guys a stat real quick here during the 12 rounds Pedraza threw um, 931 punches and landed 111 of them that's 11.9% of his connect uh, you know a connect percentage of 11.9% that's amazing when you think that you know when you go back and watch this fight and you see that Lomachenko stood in front of him the whole time 
He didn't use utilize any angles except in the eleventh round. He he stood right there, and Pedraza only landed eleven fights. What or eleven? Excuse me, eleven percent of his punches. What's significant about that is how Lomachenko looked after that fight. Uh, you know, I think by the sixth, seventh round, he was already his eyes were already black and blued. Um, he looked, you know, he was getting hit with some with some shots. Now, just I I think it kind of it, it kind of threw me off a little bit, and you could kind of tell again if you go back and watch this fight, you kind of tell how the announcers were kind of you know they were kind of like, hey, I think Pedraza's got this round. I think Pedraza's got this round. Um, but you know, looking at, and that's how I felt watching it initially. Now I, I will go back and watch it again. Um, but initially I was like, man, he's getting, uh, Pedraza's holding his own here. What's, what's, what's going on here? Um, but ultimately when you look at these punch numbers, punch stat numbers, uh, Pedraza apparently wasn't really hitting him that much, but he was hitting him enough to, you know, again, to cause some marks on his face and everything like that. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I don't think that there is any fear of Lomachenko losing that fight. Take away the 11th round, and I still think Lomachenko obviously pulls out that fight. I just didn't expect, in my opinion, Pedraza, while he he was a WBO champ, yeah, he beat you know Ray Beltran. Um, he beat him in, in decent fashion. Um, I, I'm sorry. I, I don't think Pedraza was on the same level or is on the same level as as Lomachenko I I think it was a lot closer than it should have been um again with with the exception of the 11th round I I think I was given it I I was given a few rounds of Pedraza in there as well um I thought Pedraza was outboxing him I thought Pedraza was was bringing the action to Lomachenko but again when you when you try to understand you know how cerebral um Lomachenko is was this all part of the chess match it was almost like, you know, he was, you know, you know, you got to get in it to win it. It was almost like he was, he was like, you know, I'm going to keep you in it, but you ain't going to win it, you know, type, type deal. It was, you know, so I, I don't know if he was, he was, you know, playing a little cat and mouse with Pedraza, kind of making himself look a little vulnerable. And, you know, guys, I mean, that, that's a real thing too, as well. You know, people don't want to fight Lomachenko. Um, you know, in particular, maybe, maybe a little, little jab to, uh, Mikey Garcia there, maybe possibly, you know, maybe Lomachenko and his team wanted to look a little vulnerable, um, in this fight to maybe give, uh, you know, more attractive fights, you know, you know, some, you know, fighters to make it more attractive to come fight Lomachenko at his weight, um, you know, vice vice him looking completely dominant over every <laughs> over every lightweight fighter. But there is definitely there is definitely other fighters that give him a challenge. But you know, maybe that was part of the team. I, maybe there's more to it as well. As as you guys know, you know, he just came off so, sh- shoulder surgery here uh, a few months back. I think back in um, was it April something like that um, post uh, post Linares fight. Uh, so I think that played a factor too as well. Maybe. You know, we've seen that before where fighters, athletes, they kind of don't look the same um, initially until they, you know, they kind of baby it or, or favor that that injury for or favor that limb for the sake of, you know, not wanting to re-injure it. So maybe that's something as well. Because it did take him a little while for him to throw, uh, throw some hooks. So it was, you know, it was a little, little, you know, a little unsightly to see, um, 
Lomachenko looking a little limited in that fight. Um, but again, I, I'm going to have to chalk it up. Again, not a knock against Lomachenko. I'm really going to be curious to see. I think he's already talking about fighting in April. Um, I'm sure, you know, we won't get any type of, you know, title fight or anything like that. I don't believe any any type of another unification fight. Um, even though I believe the, the IBF title is, is vacant in the uh, lightweight division right now. Um, so I, he'll probably fight a contender. So we'll see. We'll see how he looks in that fight. Um, but I just found it really curious that it was it was that much of a a chess match, if you will, um, for Lomachenko. But man, I, you know, all that goes to the wayside when you look at the eleventh round because here was a fighter that was, you know, basically getting get, you know getting touched for ten rounds, you know, fighting effectively. I think winning the fight up until that point and was able to turn it up to a different level. The difference between this fight and other fights, I think, is that he was always on that level. He, he seemed to be always on that level throughout, you know, the entire fight. Uh, so a little different, little, I, I, again, maybe it was part of his team's game plan. Maybe it was part of his father's game plan. Hey, hey get out there. You know, don't get, don't get cracked too hard, but get touched a little. Um, you know, use your defensive prowess. Stand in front of the guy. And, uh, you know, see where, see where it goes from there. Maybe we can attract more, you know, more competitive fighters, um, you know, in the future, but either way, good win for him. Um, yeah, I was, uh, I was kind of laughing because if you go back and watch that fight, initially the commentators were kind of like, Hey, Pedraza is looking pretty good. Pedraza is looking pretty good. And he was, he was looking pretty good. Um, but then, of course, all of a sudden, the 11th round happens, and, uh, you know, Stephen A. Smith was going nuts, and Andre Ward. I think, but but by that point, I want to say they both had uh, Andre Ward and, and Stephen A. Smith, that is. They had him up by a few a few rounds at that point. But regardless, uh, good win for Lomachenko. Um, you know, and now you have a unified lightweight champion. First time he's unified in his career, obviously. You know, he's 12-1. and one. Um, You know, I... A little disappointed that we didn't get the knockout um, for Lomachenko in this fight, but we'll see where he goes forward from here. Regardless, the man is still, you know, he's still gifted. Uh, Pedraza, and again, you know, <laughs> we were talking about Lomachenko, but definitely some credit to Pedraza, uh, who showed some tremendous heart and stamina. Showed a little pop of his own, too. I mean, to keep, um, you know, for the limited amount of times he was able to actually touch Lomachenko, he showed enough pop, I guess, to keep him aware that he was there. And, and you know, for him to get up after two knockdowns in the 11th round, uh, you know, that showed some heart, too, as well, for him to, to make it to the finish line. So good on Pedraza. Hopefully we'll see him back in the mix again. Um, you know, the lightweight division's pretty exciting. So, I mean, and, and Pedraza's a big body, too. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he can even move up if he wants to. Um, but maybe maybe he'll just stay down lightweight for now. But we'll see where they go. And again, so we'll, we can expect Lomachenko to be fighting sometime in April. And uh, looking forward to that. All right, guys, so let's talk about the next fight here, um, which is a big fight happening tonight. We have Canelo Alvarez going up to super middleweight to take on Rocky Fielding for uh, Rocky Fielding's uh, WBA super middleweight title. Um, so here we are. We got Canelo, who seems like the unstoppable juggernaut in in boxing right now going up to super middleweight a lot of people you know the biggest factor i think that um 
you know, people are looking at with this is the size difference. I say it doesn't matter. Um, if you guys remember, uh, I want to say, actually, no, I think he's only gone up past 160 once, and that was to fight uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., um, which we saw what he did, <laughs> you know, at that level. Um, not saying, you know, Chavez Jr. looked like he didn't really want to be there, but Canelo, Canelo took it to him. So, you know, so here we are. We got Canelo. He's 50-1, and one, uh, two draws, 34 knockouts. Uh, he's taking on Rocky Fielding, who's 27-1, 15 knockouts. Uh, Fielding being a true, um, you know, super middleweight, bigger body. Um, you know, he, he's traditionally been at, you know, um, you know, 168 his entire career. Um, but again, with with Canelo, he carries that body. Like, you know, his body weight or his body style definitely looks like he should be able to carry that weight no problem. Um, you know, I think they both weighed in. I want to say damn near each other. Um, I want to say Canelo was 167.4, and I think I think Fielding was 167.6 or, or, or very close. Um, so, again, it, it's it's – not that he can't reach that weight. We see that his power, my man, my question is what, I mean, if he can go up to 168 and dominate, I mean, can he, can he go up to 175? You know, I mean, that's, the guy's young enough. Uh, he could put on the weight. You know, the only difference is if the, the only, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to cut to the chase here. There is no way Rocky Fielding should be able to beat Canelo Alvarez. The only way that's possible would be his 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 jab. I using that length and and but I just don't think that he's athletically gifted enough. And this isn't a knock against Fielding. Um, I just think that Canelo brings too much to the table. And look, let's be honest. This fight was not made to pose a challenge to Canelo Alvarez. Absolutely not. The man just signed an eleven fight. 375 gazillion dollars uh to to be the zones um you know spokes <laughs> spokes fighter if you will um they're not taking a chance with uh somebody that could potentially ruin that or knock that you know financial cow off the tracks uh you know so so no no disrespect to rocky fielding but um you know it, it doesn't it doesn't look too too good from my opinion um, I will say this, uh, the one blemish on Fielding's record has been to Callum Smith, who knocked him out in the first round. Callum Smith, as you guys know, is Liam Smith's brother, who uh, had a pretty damn good showing with uh, Canelo until uh, I think that body work, uh, you know, basically worked him over at that point. Um, so again, with this with this fight, I don't really see um, this posing any potential risk for Canelo. I think that... Uh, Canelo should be able to walk through fielding pretty pretty easily. Um, I think that, you know, it's a sign when Canelo's team is already looking forward to. Now, again, I know I just mentioned that they have an 11 fight, you know, $375 million deal with the zone. Um, but they're already scheduling his next fight May 4th um, at the T-Mobile Arena with, uh, you know, uh, with a fighter to be, you know, to be announced. Which could be it could be Golovkin. We'll see, um, but again, you know, not a knock on, you know, not a knock on, you know, Fielding at all. Um, I, I know the guy deserves to be there, and much credit, you know, much credit to Fielding for taking this fight. Um, 
you know, it wasn't even a, it felt like a, a minute negotiation. It was announced, and then, you know, it was like, hey, he's looking at fighting this guy. Boom, it's announced. So good on him, good on his team for taking this fight. Um, and, and, you know, feeling, feeling's a brave fighter, without a doubt. Uh, you know, again, I don't want to, you know, he puts, these guys going to the ring, they put their lives, they put their, you know, their families at risk, you know, going into this ring. Uh, you know, this is how they provide for their family. Rather, they put that at risk by getting beat badly. Um, but you know, good on good on Fielding for you know, rogering up for this challenge, and good on him for getting in the ring, uh, getting in the ring so quick. Um, but I will say this: I I predict a KO. I predict Canelo going to the body. I I, I predict him. I predict him ending this with a body shot. Uh, you know. I just think that that's as part of his game plan for sure. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think that it would be, I think with that being said though, I, I think the height may pose some, the reason why I say a body shot, I think the height may pose some risk depending. We'll see, we'll see, you know, how Canelo pressures fielding, how fielding is able to move back and forth in the ring. Uh, if he's struggling to go backwards with that type of constant pressure on him, maybe the headshot will come. But I think I think Fielding is going to be worried about protecting that chin. It's going to open up the body. We already seen how big Fielding is, how tall and lanky he is. Uh, you know, his midsection is going to be open for abuse. I think Canelo is going to take it. Um, and I, I would say uh, I predict this fight's over before eight rounds. Um, definitely. Um, and again, game game fighter, you know, feelings definitely for sure. Um, but I, I, I think he, I think it's, you know, it, it's ripe for the picking for Canelo. Um, he's bringing too much talent, too much power, too much speed, and uh, too much technical skill to the ring. And again, these are fights that are made. I feel like this is a fight that was made to get Canelo that exposure, get him another title, you know, move him up to the. Uh, to the super middleweight division and uh you know see what see what happens next now i think the intriguing fight to be made and i mentioned this before uh gilberto ramirez and uh and canelo may be on the horizon which would be pretty uh pretty damn exciting so i'll be looking forward to that one we'll see um, definitely tune in if you if you guys uh, hear this hear this episode before the uh, the Canelo fight. Definitely tune into it. Uh, should be exciting. Uh, again, I'll be watching it. Um, and again, I think it should be a pretty cut and dry fight, almost like a Liam Smith fight. Even though Liam Smith came to fight, he um, you know he's a tough contender for sure. Uh, but eventually, Canelo just broke him down with those body shots. But he was hitting Canelo for. You know, uh, for a good you know four or five rounds, he was he was making it a little little difficult for Canelo. So we'll see if Fielding can do the same thing. Um, yeah, so there's my prediction for this fight. I think uh, Canelo TKO before eight or KO before eight, and uh, we'll see if that comes true this time. All right, guys. So uh, moving forward, um, let's see. So obviously we're talking about Canelo Rocky tonight, um, December fifteenth. Uh, we also have uh, David Lemieux on the undercard fighting Torino Johnson, which should be pretty good. Saddam Ali versus Mauricio Herrera, um, and Tevin Farmer versus Francisco Fonseca. So a pretty decent card if you want to check out the zone. Um, also, Joseph Far- Parker is fighting uh, Alexander Flores um, 
in New Zealand, so that's not going to be shown on any U.S. networks or DAZN. Uh, upcoming next Saturday, we have uh, both Charlo brothers. Um, in particular, Jamal Charlo is taking on uh, Willie the Worm Monroe. Uh, that should be pretty interesting. You know, uh, Monroe Monroe's pretty good. I think he's a little bit... You know, he's getting up there now, you know, especially since his, uh, you know, feels like forever when he fought uh, and lost to Triple G. But uh, that's a good name for Jamal to have on his record. Uh, Jamal is taking on Tony Harrison and Dominic Brazil will be on undercard. And that's going to be shown on Fox and that's going to be at the Barclays Center in New York on December 22nd. Um, on ESPN Plus, though, I have to say I'm kind of torn with this one because I think personally I like Carl Frampton. Um He's going to be taking on Josh Warrington. Um, I think Warrington may be able to. I think Warrington should be able to pull that out. Um, but I, I like watching Carl. You know, I watch. I love watching Carl Frampton fight. Warrington's very good. Um, I'll be pulling for Frampton in that, but I think Warrington should be able to pull it out. Um, just because of Frampton's fights with with Santa Cruz, I think were amazing. I wish those guys would have done it a third time. It'd been great. Um, one exciting thing is uh, Billy Joe Saunders will be on that card, uh, taking on Zoltan Zera. Uh, so that's ESPN Plus, December 22nd. So you have two f- great fight cards. Um, actually, you have three. Um, and then on DAZN, you have Dillian White taking on Derek Jasora um, for their rematch. So December, next Saturday, you have three exciting cards on three different networks. Uh, so it's going to be uh, up to you guys to pick which one. Uh, which one you actually sit down and watch. I'll be trying to watch all three on some some way, shape, or form, but uh, I don't know if I'll actually be able to. Um, let's see. And then moving forward, we have January 18th, um, kind of kicking the year off in, in good fashion, is uh, going to be Jarrell Miller taking on Trevor Bryan as he continue, as Miller continues to make his mark in a heavyweight division. Um, you got Demetrius Andrade coming back to fight Arthur Akavav. Um, there's some stuff out there with Andre right now. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Uh, we'll see if this fight comes to fruition or not. Uh, Jorge Linares coming back to take on uh, somebody to be announced. And Chris Algieri is returning to the ring to take on somebody in the junior welterweight division. Uh, both these guys, junior welterweights. So that's on the zone as well. Um, then moving forward, Jan- uh, Saturday, January 19th, you got Manny Pacquiao versus Adrian Broner. Um, excited to see that. Little, probably not excited to see that as pay-per-view. I don't really know if uh, that should be pay-per-view. But, you know, again, exciting to see Pacquiao in the ring. <laughs> exciting to see Broner in the ring. Um, so it should be, uh, should be pretty interesting how those two uh, do against each other. And then uh, finally, January 26th, a fight that I'm looking forward to on uh, Fox. Keith Thurman's coming back again. This uh, Jose Cito Lopez. Um, it's great to see, it will be great to see Thurman back in the ring to see if he's, uh, you know, I'm sure he's got, you know, he's taking this fight maybe to, uh, kind of knock the dust off a little bit and, you know, Jose Cito Lopez is no, you know, he's no slouch. So should be good. Um, you know, I'm a big Keith Thurman fan. I think it's good to get him back in the mix, uh, with this welterweight division that's kind of blossomed since he's been out of the game for a little while. Um, but in my opinion, until, he is defeated. I think he is the, you know, the gatekeeper of that division. And, you know, Earl Spence, Crawford, you know, you got to come through him first eventually. Sean Porter, I mean, we, we know already with Porter. But, uh, you know, I think Thurman he needs to regain his foothold as the king of that division. Um, unless one of these 
these other these other fighters can dethrone him. So we'll see. Um, also on that fight, again, that's on Fox, Saturday, January 26th. You have uh, Adam Kanaki taking on Gerald Washington as well. So two good fights on uh, Fox. And let's see. And then February 2nd on ESPN, you have Alvarez versus Kovalev, their rematch, which should be good. And then February 9th, Gervonta uh, Davis and versus Abner Marez. Um, I think that's it for now, guys. I won't go any further deep, deeper into the schedule here. But uh, looking good, we have some upcoming fights that should be uh, should be pretty interesting. Keep us keep us fixed as we go into the new year. Um, but yeah, exciting times, guys. Thank you again for uh, thank you again for listening. Thank you again for um, you know subscribing to this uh, to this podcast. Um, I will say this: uh, I went ahead and put my email up on my uh, Twitter and Instagram accounts. So if you guys want to email the show, go ahead, feel free to do so. If there's anything you want to talk about or anything you want me to discuss, um, by all means, put it out there. Um, for sure. Thank you for following me on Instagram, following the podcast rather on Instagram and Twitter. Um, again, I'm, I'm kind of bad with that stuff. I try to keep it, uh, try to keep it open, but, uh, pay attention to the Instagram and Twitter account because I will like to do another, um, contest in the near future here. Um, for you guys to uh, maybe participate in and get some free some free swag if you if you want, um, which uh, I'd be more than willing to give it out to you guys and uh, all that good stuff. But uh, again, guys, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it, and uh, take care. Thanks for listening to the baddest boxing podcast on the planet. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter for future episodes and updates.